On this episode, we discuss, don't worry, darling. (laughs) I don't even need to do a joke. Dan's already cracking up, baby. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey, Dan McCoy. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And it's me, Elliot <laughs> Kalen, pretending to be the hit Nintendo character Mario for the Super <laughs> Mario games. Uh-huh. That's uh, good. That's thematically appropriate for this episode, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We watched uh, Don't Worry, Darling, the Nintendo movie, right? <laughs> oh, cool. Don't worry, darling. I'm Don't just playing Nintendo. All those shy guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> encircling you. <laughs> they're shy. They won't do anything. Uh-huh. Don't fine. worry. They're very shy. They're very shy. Yeah, d- Don't worry, darling. You're actually Samus Aran, a girl yeah. fighting the Metroid aliens. <laughs> Don't worry, darling. Uh, this guy's just going to take you over to that castle for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Or, you know, look, we don't know whether it's bad ahead of time, but the, the society, the culture has told us certain things. <laughs> sure. I mean, we don't know before we watch it, but yeah. we, we have a good sense before we start recording the episode. Uh, yeah, how yeah, yeah, feel yeah, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, you're, you're right there. There is a, a sort of a liminal space where we have <laughs> formed our opinions, but not broadcast them. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just want to make it clear. We don't, you know. I feel bad. I feel yeah. Like, and there's you know, a moment when we have our opinions, and we're like, "Could we just keep these to ourselves? Mm-hmm, Can we, we just could. shut the fuck up? <laughs> are 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 there already enough opinions on the internet? Probably. I mean, definitely. But you know what? We're, yes. We're, we're, so, yeah, for very much. I feel so. like we got That's not even a certainly problem, from like. people of our demographic. Number one, we got. <laughs> <laughs> number one, I feel like we got grandfathered in, and number two, uh, we've we've built too much of our lives around the livelihood that this provides. So we just keep doing it, <laughs> you know. And I, I love how I love Dan's constant provisos <laughs> against a complaint no one has made, mm. a criticism no one has ever made. To I us have made it in my brain to myself. Uh, Dan, Dan's like Dan imagines these hordes of people who are like, you know, the movies aren't always bad that you talk about. <laughs> I liked that movie, yeah. and now I hate you. And that I don't know that we've ever, even the people who say like, it. oh, I liked that movie, they go, oh, I disagreed with you. It's fine. Yeah. But Dan, it's okay. You, I know you're projecting your mm-hmm. um your dislike of the constant internet hate machine. Yes. Onto the it's a audience pretty hate and then machine, refracting it back to but us. No yeah. matter how pretty that hate machine is, it, it's still <laughs> full of hate. And you're raging against that <laughs> hate raging. machine, which itself is made of rage. Yeah. Um, okay, so we watched. And, but despite all your rage, you're still just a podcaster in a cage. <laughs> so what do we do on this podcast, Dan? Uh, again, we watch a bad movie, we talk about it. This one ha- has a lot of uh, baggage around it that has very little to do with the movie itself. Um, very true. Uh, you, I, yeah, you want to give us the fucking run? I don't know. I, I think, I, to be honest, I think if anyone is came to this looking for the ins and outs of the soap opera backstory, I think we should show them the door. Yeah, and that door is marked. Come back in, please, and listen to us talk about the movie itself. The movie itself. But I don't think we need to get into the like the shenanigans. No, I don't think know? so either. Except for Audrey originally. Oh Audrey originally wanted to be on this episode because she has uh, big feelings about it, and then she mysteriously changed her mind. Oh yeah, she didn't, can't take. <laughs> oh, the you're heat. saying Olivia Wilde got to her? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Olivia Wilde. She 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 appeared. Stand. You were drugged, so you weren't awake for this. But Olivia Wilde was standing over her bed, just punching her fist into an open palm, saying. You want to get book smart about yeah. this, Ooh. or you want to be book dumb about yeah. this? Well, I mean, she just she did want me to address her feelings, which are also my feelings, which is that. <laughs> 
Yeah, perhaps you're married. perhaps it's not the most uh, ideal thing to get involved with a, 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 a infidelity on set, a, a workplace infidelity, plus like you know your marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the heat that got generated by this is so far outside. Like this is the degree to which this is unusual is is not. It is, it is well, not unusual, did, and Olivia Wilde took, like, a lot of heat that uh, Audrey uh, believes, and I agree with, is probably because she is a lady 100%. rather than a man. Oh, I think that's—I I have two explanations for this. One is, as you're saying, the institutional misogyny of it, because you look at a movie—I mean, this was a long time ago, but the exact same thing happened in reverse with The Last Picture Show, yeah. where Peter Bogdanovich left his wife, who also is collaborative uh, partner mm-hmm. in production, for the, one of the actresses in the movie— and, and he got to hang time, out in an ascot and talk about movies and, for and, decades after. <laughs> and, and, and sure, yes, his career also collapsed because people found it incredibly, uh, incredibly uh, smarmy. Yeah, and, and smug. His relationship with Polly actress, Platt still, was an integral part of the <laughs> the process uh, of the Bogdanovich machine. Yeah. but I also here's my this. But I also have a sinister conspiratorial way of thinking. And you know what? Since this is a movie about a kind of sinister conspiracy, spoiler alert. Yeah. Even though it's the most obvious thing in the world from the moment the title you hear it, uh, is that. I think this is a movie that does not have a lot of obvious selling points for today's theater-going audience. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if the PR people for the film had a hand in getting a lot of that going to create scandal that would then promote the movie. You know, like, it's because thumbing it's such the a, scale. Yes, it's such because otherwise it is such a relatively small-scale, not not big release movie. And the people involved in it, aside from Harry Styles, they're they're stars, but they're not the biggest stars in the world, and yet suddenly this was the biggest story in well, the world. Well, that that's you know? what I would say. If I was going to go to a conspiracy, uh, it's not really much of a conspiracy. It's just pointing to Harry Styles fans, and uh, I think that that was a huge driver of the controversy. I, and I think you're right. I, need, you know I, need, I'm gonna say I should probably get this out of the way up front, is that I am a known Harry Styles disliker. Mm. I don't really need to go into it. I also... Don't need to convince other people why I don't like somebody. Yeah. I just don't care for them. It's like if they had cast, now I'm hoping it didn't bias me against the movie. It's, you know, it would be like if they cast Drake in a movie and I don't like that guy either. Um, but, well, you know, we, I just- Ludwig von Drake? Elliot's <laughs> yeah. oh, trying to teach me about There's a slightly science, more contemporary there's character. There's a cartoon going on. I guess what's, what Stuart is saying is he wishes that Mr. Henderson had never taken Harry from the forest, shaved him, and taught him how to sing. Uh-huh. Because, just leave him in the forest as a little Bigfoot, and uh-huh. don't, this Harry, he, he would be better off that way. Or, is that what you're saying, Stuart? Or put a mask on him and let him run wild in New York City. Mm-hmm. No, that is a different Harry, a maniac Harry, that we'll hear about perhaps later in the episode during the promos. <laughs> maniac of New York, don't call him comeback number one in the comic stores now. I will say when it comes to the promotion of this film, though, you, you, it, it's possible that you're right because although this is appearing on the flop house and there was a lot of negative talk about it, this movie was not a flop. This movie made like 80-some million dollars on like a $30 million b- budget. That's, so, would you call that Bafo bo or I, normal I don't know B.O.? if that's Bafo bo but it's like one step below Bafo, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> I would call that, depending on <laughs> depending on the marketing costs, I would call that, depending on the marketing costs, comfortable B.O. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to push you out of the room. That's Bafo B.O. <laughs> B.O. <laughs> yeah, that kind of B.O. will make you leave the room but when it's Bafo. But this is just like, I can handle it. Yeah. If the, you know, maybe I'll, if this happens a few more days in a row, I'll ask my coworker <laughs> to start putting on deodorant. That's the level yeah. of B.O. Uh-huh. 
Okay, well, we've talked a lot. Stuart, uh, why don't you get into the yeah, movie? Yeah, okay, let's just get into this piece. <laughs> you're like, you're like, well, we've talked a lot. Let's talk some let's more. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> the movie. Okay, the movie opens with an old-timey song. Uh, it opens with the right time. Uh, <laughs> now, Stuart, should we should we get used to that? Now, how old-timey are we talking? Because this is not like... You know, it's you shouldn't like, imagine what, like a people like writing penny farthings around, or it's not Daisy Daisy. Give yeah, me your it's not green sleeves. <laughs> yeah. No, but this. I, I at one point I was like, I'm glad I'm not doing the summary today because then I would feel the need to count how many. 50s and 60s needle drops yeah. are happening in the first four minutes of this movie. What was Because it's like every shot has a new has a new old song. What's the, the name of the song that they keep playing? It's Sleepwalkers. Yeah, it's Sleepwalker by Santos and John. Yeah, no shit. As and soon that as shows the, up in this movie too. Yeah, no yeah. shit. As soon as it shows up, I'm like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's also that it, the and the music they play. It's not always, but it's sometimes a little on the nose. Like it's like, oh, the men are coming home from work. I guess we'll play "Coming Home, Baby" by, mean, with Mel Torme singing. That's it. the thing. <laughs> I, you know, people, I think there's a lot of anger, sort of generalized anger on the internet towards, uh, quote, needle drops. And I don't have a problem with it. Like, one of the best things movies can do is put music and images together. But Yeah, without sure. without it, like, often, jukebox musicals couldn't exist. Uh, often the, <laughs> the problem is that they are uncreative needle drops. Here, there's a mixture of some good ones, some ones that's like, oh, yeah. You could have thought a little more about that. Well, at a certain point, when it when it's in like Suicide Squad, it just becomes audio wallpaper at yeah. a certain point. Like, but I will say this movie, I really liked the score. Like, I really liked the original yeah. score for it. And so there were t times when a needle drop would happen. I'd be like, I'm enjoying the music that was created explicitly for this movie. Mm. Like, I want to hear more of that. I don't necessarily want to hear just the mo the the movie that the songs that were on the Spotify playlist that Olivia Wilde sent to the actors to get them into the mood for the film. Although you know. uh, earlier the same day, I had watched the movie Pearl that came out this year, and that score is mm -hmm. incredible. Uh, so I was so your uh, you recommendation know. is the mo the movie score <laughs> just to Pearl. The music for the, the music is Pearl the, movie. the original motion picture soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so from um, Arista Records. So, th yeah, so this is gonna. Uh, th this is going to kind of get into some setup, but so we open in like a fun couple's dinner party uh, where everybody's drinking Gibson martinis. Mm -hmm. I clock those onions. Uh, and it's in like a 50s <laughs> mid-century modern style house uh, in what is very clearly Palm Springs. Um, all the men are employees of a thing called the Victory Project, which is this like mysterious, maybe defense contractor. Uh, and all the wives are homemakers. They all live in this like 50s suburban fantasy where all the men go to it's work real, every day. It, it's it's like uh it's like Mad Men fantasy world. Yeah. yeah. And when they're, 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 these Gibsons, there's like a <laughs> there's like a row of like 12 of them. I mean, oh my god. I this is when I turned to Audrey and I said, "You know, I've never had a Gibson." And she gave me a "Huh" in a way that said either I'm not interested in that or <laughs> Yes. I don't know what a Gibson is, but I don't want you to tell me what it is. Uh -huh. Or, I mean, I'm going to say, huh? Because that totally seems like something you would do. Uh, I don't think, <laughs> I mean, do you have a bunch of cocktail onions in Hinterlands? I could have it at some point. Or I don't think that it's common. No, I mean, we don't have them at any of my bars because, as you said, it's not common. Yeah. Uh, although it is a cute little onion. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just too bad. Look at I, that I mean, it could have been. It it could have been common, but as we know, Common's Cocktail Onions, the only cocktail onion company started by Common, the rapper, was a huge failure. I don't know why. The business plan was was really strong. That's why I invested in it, and uh -huh. I'm still digging myself out of that <laughs> hole. Cocktail so onions. Common, arr, common, but if you want cocktail onions, Dan, I've now got crates of them in my garage, just moldering away. So I mean, you should, probably should refrigerate them, but you uh, you're in you're in some place cold, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles, California, oh, which for some reason no. is cold right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and like every day, the men get in their cars. Uh, they don't carpool, which is insane. <laughs> They should carpool. They're all going to the same place. Uh, because, they're, because they're all this leaving is the, this the is... house at the exact same time. <laughs> exactly. Like they're in fucking wrinkling timeline. No, no, no. These are all these are all alpha males. They gotta drive. They cannot the passenger yeah. seat is the seat for ladies. Uh-huh. And I only know that because uh the listeners can't see my backdrop, but I'm at the Victory Project wow. right now. As Dan and Stuart can see by the beautiful mid-century modern pool <laughs> Yeah, I can see yeah, me. I can see those California yeah. hills in the distance. Um okay. Yeah. Um and they they all get in their cars and drive to a giant dome base in the desert. Uh, not even on a road. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, well, that's the other thing is they're driving those cars. There's no way those cars are doing a good job driving in the desert. Yes. They're old, big, gas guzzling, kind of like uh, hard to steer cars. Uh-huh. But it looks re- but it looks pretty cool. It'll, and there's a lot of cool. look. There's a lot of cool looking shots in this yes. because when you combine like. We combine magic hour lighting with mid-century modern design and a neat kind of symmetrical compositions. It's going to look beautiful. It's so a lot of good-looking stuff. I'm coupled with attractive people in, like, you know, beautiful costumes. Before this movie yes. came out, I was very excited for it because, as you say, it looks beautiful. And the trailer reflected that. It has a lot of, like, striking imagery. And Olivia Wilde, uh, part of the reason why I, like, was rooting for her and kind of annoyed it. Like, I, I love Booksmart so much. So I'm like, yeah, Booksmart's be, really good. This is yep. going to be fun. And, um, I mean, uh, you know, as we'll talk about the cast, it's got Florence Pugh who can do yeah. basically anything. She yeah. is all charisma. And Chris Pine, who is, I'm going to go on record, my favorite Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one a great Chris. I have some Chris's in my personal life that I like a little bit more, mm. but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but also, and, and look, any movie that's going to take Kate Berlant and stick her mm-hmm, in a supporting role mm-hmm. and not have her play and not at any way address <laughs> that she's got a very strange affect that, com- that comes out whenever she talks. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's That sounds good. Throw Kate Berlant in your, in your supporting cast. Why not? And like Nick Kroll's in it. Mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde plays one of the characters, one of the other housewives. Um, yeah, okay. Good. I think, I think with one <laughs> large exception, uh, a cast of, of, of solid actors. Okay. And, uh, there's, and I think we'll, we'll be getting to, I guess, the, the flaws in this movie, the major ones, which are one of those casting exceptions. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that all of this has been assembled for perhaps the least original story in the, in the history of modern Certainly filmmaking. Certainly one I'm of not them. Sure. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. And so the women stay home and they do housework and uh, they all go shopping and then they also take dance class. But the, the first night, uh, Alice and Jack drunk as shit on Gibson martinis go doing, they go and drive and do donuts in the desert. It's great. They're so in love. Uh, <laughs> that's what people do when they're in love. Just. <laughs> they do donuts and they ruin dinners by by having sex on the table and pushing all the food yeah, off the of table. Yeah, in, in all I, <laughs> I was, and maybe this is a sign of where my mind is that instead of being caught up in the passion of the moment, I was like, "You're wasting food." Mm-hmm. There are people who would love that. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, "What are you going to eat when you're done? Mm-hmm. You still have to have dinner." Yeah, I understand. You have one of the- <laughs> having the sex first because after you eat, of course, there's going to be stuff in your stomach. You're like, "I don't feel yeah. like it," but but don't, <laughs> that's definitely don't like knock a, the food off. That was like definitely a rookie move uh, in my 20s when I'm like. No, no, no. Uh, on a date, we'll go out to dinner first, and then we'll have sex. And you're like, you're all fucking full. What are you doing, idiot? Nowadays, why like, did I have all that soup? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why did we? Why did we go to Borscht Bell, the, 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 the only restaurant that serves so much borscht, you have to get a new bell yeah. right, right before sex? <laughs> 
And here's the thing. They don't have to have sex on the table. It's mid-century modern furniture. It's all flat. Mm-hmm. The couches are yeah. flat. The coffee yeah. table's flat. The, for- the floor is flat. Like, just have sex on that stuff. Flat you know? floor. <laughs> flat floor. No, this I've is seen everything. For- 30s and 40s floor, pre-war. pre-war. They were all bumpy. Mm-hmm. They were into bumpy floors back then. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in the morning, they're prepping to go to an important dinner at dinner party at Frank's house. Frank seems to be the boss, the leader. Uh, everyone speaks about him in reverence. Uh, the only thing that plays on the radio other than old-time hits is Frank giving essentially speeches and sermons. Yeah, right. motivational speeches. And they're like, yeah. their conversation's interrupted by an earthquake. These happen uh, multiple times in the movie. And the belief is that they're caused by the, the Victory Project, that they're something they're doing. Yeah. Um, they, uh, at later that afternoon at dance class, because all the wives also, not all the wives, because there's a bunch of them. Uh, they go to a dance <laughs> class that is run by, uh, Gemma Chan, uh, playing yes, the wife, Frank's wife. Yeah, who's playing Frank's wife. Uh, and it's like a ballet class and they're introduced to a new wife. Uh, a new couple has moved into the area, gotten hired and she shows up. Everybody else is dressed in black. She shows up wearing pink. So that kind of shows that she's not kind of into it yet. It's going to take a little while for her to become acclimatized. <laughs> He likes um, pink too much. <laughs> yep. Now it's and it feels like this felt I mean, to me, and but I wasn't pink sure. Is, pink is incredible. Have you ever seen her do aerial work while singing, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I do like pink. I mean, look, I'll say I'll tell you this this argument: longevity. Pink, mm-hmm. when she first appeared, seemed like a flash in the pan. Uh-huh. Yet, still going strong. She's had what a 20, 25 year, career? I know, forty five year career, seventy five mm-hmm. year career. She's been around since yes. since when nineteen thirty three. If you if you are <laughs> yeah, man discovered fire and then fire begat pink. If you are going to Thelma and Louise your life, number one in that song mix is going to be a bunch of pink songs. I gotta yeah. guarantee yeah, that it's, shit. It's gonna it's it's you're gonna hear it and and you know what you're gonna not have that feeling you had when the songs first arrived when you're like. Ugh, I'm tired of the song. You're going to have that warm feeling of nostalgia that comes with hearing an old song you used to hate, mm-hmm. but which you remember from when you're young, where you're like, oh, yeah, this song. I guess I will dance to this at my child's <laughs> wedding, and they'll roll their eyes at me. <laughs> uh, when, 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 my, when my grandson gets married and they play Uptown Funk, I won't be like, ugh, ugh, God. Instead, I'll be like, yeah, I will dance to this. <laughs> This makes me feel less like I'm a decrepit old mummy. Yeah, yeah of course. Yep. Uh, so Alice, uh, Alice is Florence Pugh's character. She mm-hmm. starts to notice things uh, being a little bit off. Alice, I don't know if you know this. There was this famous Alice that went to Wonderland. Oh, yeah. huh. Hold on. Weird. Oh, yeah. I'm just figuring yeah, this on. out. It's kind of strange. <laughs> hold on. Maybe if someone went to, were to go ask Alice. Oh, we'll figure this out. Also, yeah. later on. <laughs> <laughs> and a character named Bunny. Hold on a second. Oh, it's too big a coincidence. It's too weird. big a coincidence. And Johnny Depp does do a break dance at the end as the Mad Hatter. So. Oh, weird. I actually didn't realize now, the Bunny connection. That is, that's a little more overt than I. <laughs> yeah, that's a reference to the hit movie, The Brown Bunny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alice starts to notice things are a little bit off. Their neighbor— Now, Alice Alice is not the new wife, No, right? Alice, Alice is Florence Pugh's character. She's yes, the main Yes, it's one of those—it makes me wonder why the new wife is included in the story. Because usually when a movie, a story like this, in which there have been many, like a Stepford Wives or something, it's the new person comes into this town mm-hmm. and recognizes that it's weird. And instead, they have a person who already lives there, and a new person comes mm-hmm. in, and the new person doesn't really have anything yeah. to do with and, much of anything. And they have a person who's already sort of gone through the, the you know, like the 
the realizations, the realizations. that yeah. will come up later. Which I think, I mean, that's makes a little more sense. But um, as we were watching it, I think Audrey made a good point that we don't see like their friendship in any meaningful way no. beforehand. Like it would, it would, it maybe make a little more impact if the person who's like cracking up who we're going to get to like we see her like Florence trying to help her early in the movie and then being like pressured to conform rather than yeah or she's yeah. already been shunned at this point the, we see the difference yeah. we see a moment where yeah. and the, the character we're talking about is named Margaret um she has uh she was once part of the group but has since been kind of pushed to the outskirts uh she at one point we we will learn later she claims she saw something out in the desert where they're not supposed to go and she took her young son out there and when she came back her son was missing and she claimed that the men of the victory project took the son mm-hmm. um okay uh Alistair also starts to notice some other weird things like the eggs in the carton of eggs are <laughs> all shells there's nothing inside them and doing that makes her burn the dinner uh she and, and now that was a moment that I really like that moment because it's so weird and yeah. it is so – and I was hoping for more moments like that. And there is neither an explanation for it, which is fine, nor is there another moment that I felt like got it. I guess it, there's, there's such an uh, on-the-nose metaphor for like – There's like two more that I really liked later on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Look at it. But it's such an on-the-nose metaphor for like it's on the outside it looks perfect, but on the inside it's hollow. And I kind of wanted more – weirdness yeah. from the movie and you sometimes get weirdness but and I do th- in the moment it was a, it was a really fun weird thing and also the way they cut it because it just looks like she's cracking open a thousand eggs <laughs> yeah. over a period of hours it's like is that she's just like me for real I do think I eat so many <laughs> eggs guys <laughs> I eat so many eggs and right and right before sex that's the mistake do it afterwards uh, I should when right when Cool Hand Luke had to have sex after he ate all those eggs <laughs> oh, yeah it was so he's like he, they, they're all looking at that girl washing her car and he's like oh why did I have so many eggs <laughs> too many eggs uh, I, I agree though that <laughs> they should call me bloated hand Luke <laughs> if, oh the eggs all went to his hand yeah um, yeah I yeah like in that Foo Fighters video with the guy whose hand gets huge uh, or everything everywhere all at once um, <laughs> yeah well fair fair I, I just want to say I agree that I think that it would have been helpful to have almost a little more weirdness because I do think that part of the problem that people had with this movie, which is not a problem that I had, I had other problems, but part of the problem that people had with this movie was trying to square the logic of everything. And I didn't really care because I was like, this movie is, is so based on its themes and like the metaphor it's doing that I don't need it all to make logical sense. And if the film maybe pointed, tipped the, you know, the, point of the the boat close like the steer to steer that direction it would be clearer to the audience like we don't need to take all of this so goddamn seriously because like a lot of people i think who had problems with it are like well logically what is this what is this what is this well and- i think the problem is that they do explain what it is later on and it would be a stronger movie without that explanation it would be it's the difference between something being like franz kafka style where you don't reveal that Gregor Samsa was part of a biological experiment to create, you know, the next evolu- step in evolution. And, the, like, the difference between something that really works on an allegorical level and something that just feels kind of like the same well, kind of science fiction story we've seen they before. They reveal you know? the twist. They don't explain, like, specifically why there's no egg in that egg. You can no, extrapolate no, but the, but why, but— You can extrapolate, but I mean— I, I would rather they didn't. Ex- I'd rather rather there was no twist. I'd rather it was just a st- the same way that like I'm glad that the lighthouse doesn't turn out to be like these two men were floating in space the whole time and they hallucinated. <laughs> For a second, this I situation. thought you were talking about to the lighthouse, and I'm like, 
wait a minute. There was a twist in that? Yeah. So when it turns out, in, <laughs> the twist into the lighthouse, that when it turns out that humans are just a speck of time mm-hmm. in the, in a vast universe yeah. that isn't necessarily paying attention Man, to Man, there's us. nothing like the Virginia Woolf-like cinematic universe. I love the way it all ties together when Miss <laughs> Dalloway shows up surfing on the waves. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, on your left, Cap. <laughs> well, yeah, when when uh, when she shows up at the end and goes, have you heard of the Hours Initiative? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, distracted by these eggs, of course, this whole egg situation, she burns mm-hmm. the dinner, and when Jack comes home, uh, he doesn't give a wait, sh- Wait, hold on, wait. I, I hate to go back, but Orlando also would totally work in a superhero type setting, as he, as 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 the, the character did in, as they did in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh-huh. Only in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the character stopped Gentlemen? being about heroics. <laughs> I do like that you're saying gentlemen. <laughs> in that one, in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the story just eventually became about how they all have sex That's with each like, other, which was I do just love the not idea how the movie like, version would probably go. Some some kid's mom's like, you just love those extraordinary <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Elliot's part of that, like, Key and Peele, Liam Neeson schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. It is that. Um, Okay, so uh, come on. I've been working toward this the whole fucking time, guys. So Jack comes home, uh, but he doesn't care about that dinner. He only has one meal on his mind, and it's between his (laughs) wife's legs. Okay. So you wrote that ahead of time? (laughs) No. No. I'm so good at improv, guys. (laughs) I want to say, like, one of the things that Olivia Wilde got sort of, like, dinged for in in the press was, like, she talked about, like, oh, I wanted to really, like, center female pleasure in this movie, like, which is why, like, you know, he's, uh, going down on her in this scene, which is wild, no pun intended. Consi- Olivia Wilde, <laughs> c- yeah. Considering what we later find out, that this is like, you know, essentially like rape under, you know, like because he's imprisoned her. Like, spoiler alert. Let's, we'll, uh-huh. we'll, we'll, we'll get when, to it. We'll spoiler alert. We'll yeah, when, when he's signing up for the project, he's like, I want to be British and I want to be super good at eating pussy. <laughs> so to... <laughs> So to say that that's centering female. Well, well, he's rolling. He's rolling. He's rolling, rolling his, his, stats, his, yeah. his stats and his modifiers, and he's like, uh, specialty uh, cunnilingus. Uh-huh. Yeah, plus two to that. Dancing not time period appropriately. <laughs> no. <laughs> to say that that's centering female pleasure is is an odd thing to say. I understand from a stand, standpoint of like maybe she didn't want to like reveal the the twist, but I do think that you can make an argument that there's kind of an insidiousness to the fact that this is part of like this world that has been created where all of these women, you know, like want for nothing. And the fact that this is the sex scene that we see, like it's a, it's a, it's a Mm. more insidious form of control that like, it's just like, Oh, we're going to make you happy in every way, but except for giving you your freedom. But it's just, yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that was, that was an odd controversy that was in uh, floating around. Yeah, I mean, the, I wasn't even aware of that controversy, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Although I did shut myself off from "Don't Worry, Darling" sure. updates D- at a certain point. <laughs> I, 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 I canceled the Google You're alert like, I had set up what? for "Don't Worry, Darling." Well, no, I imagine you on Twitter being like, "Which one of these? Were, I can't censor. Don't that would eliminate too many. <laughs> and, I can't and, worry. I probably darling. I, I guess I feel like <laughs> darling. But <laughs> and I, I could be wrong, but I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this scene, I feel like and you want to, I don't know, center it on any kind of female, on like pleasure, you might want to include a scene of the, like a little bit of aftercare of them like cuddling and maybe like 
eating the food off of broken plates or something and laughing. I don't know how gross that is for you, but she does clean it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, they probably have other plates. They don't have to eat them off of the plates. Yeah, but that's like, it's ro- it's night. tying in with, you know. They actually, well, the problem it's is they do have a second dude. set of plates, but everyone in Victory keeps kosher, so they actually, they can't use the other plates. Oh, that's their, yeah. Those are their dairy plates, yeah. not their meat plates. Okay, so, so they go to a dinner party at uh, Frank's home. Uh, it looks kind of like a beach club. Uh, the party is briefly disrupted by Margaret, the neighbor, who makes some accusations against the Victory Project and specifically Frank. Frank is played by Chris Pine, who is serving up some serious, like, scenery-chewing cult leader energy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, like, he's a, a skillful cult leader because, um, you know, when Margaret, you know, makes a scene there and she says, like, this isn't right, he doesn't sort of just try and paper over it. He's like, oh, you know, like, it's 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 sad they've been having troubles, but but you know she's right it is it isn't right to be here in the desert where like we're we're carving a new path forward and like he uses I it guess as so. an opportunity to I'd say he's a pretty good manipulator he's not that great a cult leader though because and this is again this is not his, Chris Pine's fault this is the fault of the writing that everything he says is so incredibly vague yeah. and so without meaning it's just a lot of stuff about this is our world and there's a right order and we're going to create control and it it never quite gets to the level of actually being a comment on anything other than the most vaguest idea of uh, of like unequal power, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for him to – and it's one of those things where I guess after you learn the twist, you're like, oh, that's why these guys are buying into this because they're monsters. Yeah. But the – but you're kind of – you're kind of waiting the whole time for why everyone thinks this is a – important thing yeah. or a good thing or what they're doing or, you know, other than the fact that they all live in beautiful houses in the desert and their wives take care of them all the time and the wives get to go to a pool club where one woman is topless but everyone else wears antique bathing suits. But that's, that so. wasn't the pool club, right? That was Frank's house. Was that where I thought where that when, was... When, 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 it, when, it, when it was Frank's house when it was just... Uh, when, it's, when it's all women? Oh, no. I mean, I thought like... Well, because the wives are talking on one side and the men are talking on another side because it's like a work thing. I thought that was the case, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was Frank's house. Um, It just... I was... I just found it very strange that uh, the... the the movie kind of deploys the back of a topless woman and one of the women is like, there's just so much skin around here. And it's like, well, but there isn't. Everyone else is wearing yeah. like 50s and 60s bathing which suits. Which are enormous. That, <laughs> which, are, which are huge. They're, they're, they're one step away from astronaut costumes. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Yeah, diving bells. So, uh, so <laughs> they're, at- all, they're, they're, they're all wearing pantomime horse uniform costumes. <laughs> it takes two and their bodies are completely covered. After, uh, after this very uh, vague motivational speech from Frank, uh, Jack and Alice go into his home and they start to have sex, which at this point I'm like, oh wow, two sex scenes. Is this going to be an erotic thriller? And then Frank shows up and like watches for a while and Alice wa- sees him watching them. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a Zalman King style movie. It is not. Uh, and then he no. wanders off. Not really mentioned. It's mentioned later, but it's not a big deal. There's also, there's a lot of people wandering into spaces or having to travel distances or sharing the same local space. And then when the twist comes, you're like, oh, well, this, there's no physical reality. So they could be anyway. It could, it doesn't, there's no, the idea that like, they're kind of, we have to go into this room where they can't see us. And then Frank shows up. It's like, well, maybe Frank just blipped in. Like, (laughs) like, maybe he could be in five different places at once. And it's, it's, uh, it's, anyway. It's also a little weird knowing what the whole thing is about, about like controlling and yada, yada. You would think that like, Frank wouldn't be fucking with them. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that he you would think he would I guess unless it's just the scorpion's got to sting the frog. That's you know, he's true. Just gotta, manipulators got to manipulate. But there's a part later on where 
Frank is like, that wasn't what you said when you were in my, remember when you were in my bedroom and everyone is like, oh, and the implication is that I guess she slept with Frank and she never says, you mean when I was having sex with my husband in your bedroom and you walked in like a creep, <laughs> yeah. like, which would be the best rejoinder to that, yeah, that yeah. comment. <laughs> Cause then the husband could be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I have a human memory. I remember that when things that happened, but anyway. So with all the, all the, too. all the, all the strangeness piling up, uh, Alice decides to go on a trolley or a tram ride that goes around the victory project. Um, and while she's riding the tram, she notices a small crashing plane. Uh, the driver doesn't want to help or get involved. So she decides to hop off the tram and wander off into the desert alone, which is just not done. <laughs> it's now it's such a well, but also it's not the right way to solve that problem. No. Like you go to the phone and you call the police or the fire department and you say, I just well, how is she gonna she gonna triangulate the position of the plane over the mountains and then pull the guy from the wreck and then give him first aid with no with just her bare hands and all and here's my other thing when we learn the twist and this is yes. Dan this will get on your nerves what? No, we I mean twist, we're spending a lot of time talking about things that don't make sense because of the twist should we just talk about the twist well, uh, we can but I, I I want to agree with you Ellie I was about to say the same thing like oh, okay. for the most part I'm fine just accepting everything as like a combination of like yeah it's not meant like this is like so clearly a metaphorical film and yeah. I'm going to suspend my disbelief because I'm watching a movie and, like, I want to enjoy myself rather than, like, actively pick it apart. But this plane, the context of the twist, which it, this, is a, all, this is a serenity situation. They're all in a simulation. Mm-hmm. I don't— <laughs> It's a serenity— that, Dan, that was such a perfect rap mm, yeah. couplet. <laughs> and I loved it. This is a serenity situation. They're all in a simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choosing the most going. popular form of uh, everybody's trapped in a simulation. Okay, it's a matrix. Popular culture. <laughs> Fine. But it's, it's one that we matrix. did for it's the a, It's a Truman show. show. It's a— yeah, it's all sorts but of I'm stuff. But I'm not yeah. sure what this plane <laughs> represents that crashes, yes. that sets her off. You yes, know? what's the plane? Do they, is a plane flying over her house? Is her husband at home uh, running, like playing with his toy plane? He's <laughs> <laughs> just going uh, over her I mean, comatose, semi-comatose Later body, on, like Chris Pine, like there's a scene where he just straight up basically like admits everything. Uh, not the specifics, but it's like, I've been waiting for someone who to challenge me. Like, I don't know, maybe he's deliberately trying to like provoke questions in her mind so he can uh, mm. trouble yeah, troubleshoot troubleshoot. Yeah. That's interesting. But, That's like the theory the theory about Trump that he was deliberately screwing himself up because he knew deep down he didn't deserve these things. Uh, so he's trying <laughs> to, you know. But the uh but I there's it's another one of those things where like if you don't have the twist that this is all a simulation, then I'm willing to buy it. Because yeah. then it becomes, you know what? Outside of victory, it is a chaotic world, and there are planes that crash behind the mountains, and it becomes about the trade-off between freedom and safety, which is a real choice that societies have to make. But instead, you're left – because of the twist, you're left afterwards being like, wait, so was that the guy who tries to – Show, tell Truman that he's on a show and kind of parachutes in. Mm. Like, is that someone deliberately trying to screw things up, or is that a glitch? Or it gets it's it gets as soon as you explain the whole thing, I feel like everything else gets taken out of the world of metaphor and into the world of what does that represent? Which which hurts it. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, 
Okay, so she wanders through the desert alone. Uh, she makes her way up a- Not even on a horse with no name. Nope. Mm. No horse. Mm. The horse doesn't have a name because there's no horse there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it had a name, it would be, it would be wild. Foolish to name a horse <laughs> that didn't exist. Unless uh, you were be writing a, a novel about a yeah, horse. Yeah, what are you, or Big Bird? A movie or- <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so she climbs up a mountain road and finds this like weird domed observatory. She walks up and touches the glass windows and experiences this vision featuring like muffled narration and dancing showgirls and flashing lights and stuff. And then she wakes up back at home in her bed. Jack is there, seemingly unconcerned. He's making dinner poorly, might I add. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he Just like a man. And he does a very, she's confused, but he does a pretty good job of gaslighting her, right? <laughs> he yeah, gets at I least mean, well, a B plus in gaslighting. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I got to admit, you know, if I was, if I saw a plane crash, walked out into the desert, uh-huh. found a buzzing weird station, <laughs> and then woke up in my own bed and my spouse told me, oh, it was just a dream, I'd be like, yeah, that that, that makes sense. <laughs> That's more likely than <laughs> I actually found a weird buzzing station out in the desert. So uh, That was beaming Busby Berkeley dance numbers mm-hmm. into my brain. Yeah. So – she keeps having issues. She has a vision of being like trapped in her house where she's sandwiched between a wall and the window, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a neat That effect. was great. That was a great moment. Um, and that's such a, that's one of those things where it's like, that's a, not that we need necessarily more media about the crushing life of housewives in the 1950s and 60s just because there's a lot of that. But that is such a great visual yeah, metaphor for that mm-hmm. feeling of oppression and suffocation that it kind of takes the place of the whole movie. Uh-huh. Like it the, in a way that the movie is adding nothing more than that moment, yeah. you know, than what that moment says. Um, and and she's at like dance class and instead of her own reflection, she sees her neighbor Margaret reflected in the glass. But wait, nobody else is seeing this. Are these all hallucinations? She runs home just in time to see Margaret standing on the roof of her house and Margaret sees her, then slits her own throat and falls off the roof. But before Alice can go to help her, uh, men in red jumpsuits jump in from the sides of the frame and drag her away. And these men in red jumpsuits are also are pretty are a pretty ridiculous element. I understand once you, once you know what's going on in it. <laughs> I understand that maybe after everything Margaret's gone through, she feels like she needs the redundancy. But at the time, you're like, why? If you're up on the roof, why it's add not that slitting your it's throat? not that high. Like you're doing. <laughs> no, that's, uh, you're doing you to make sure. Well, then cut your throat on the on the ground. <laughs> you that's get up but no one would see it. You need redundancies in the system, Dan. That's how success is built on redundancies. And I just want to mention also, Stuart, thank you for adding to Dan's rap. This is a serenity, simula- serenity situation. They're all the simulation. Is it a hallucination? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, there's a problem in our nation. We are, writing, we are writing end credits music right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when, when LL Cool J does his rap about the plot of the movie. <laughs> and it's, it's, what, what is this hat like in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is it a mid-century modern hat? Mm. What, what I, I can only like? assume, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's, and Tita Von Tees is in the video. It's it's incredible. Um, of course. Well, yeah, it's like he's walk, He's in the scenes from the movie. So he's dancing with Tita Von Tees and he's he's with them at the dinner parties. Yeah, yeah, sure. And this... Uh, she looks She looks at the mirror and instead of seeing Margaret, she sees LL Cool J rapping at her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she, she's like, what, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Music videos are great, right? Uh, so, See, like, Jack continues to, and then at the end, and then Freddie wakes up and goes, "Who were ooh, those? Who were those guys?" Was that guy? <laughs> uh, so she, she continues to have visions. Uh, Jack continues to gaslight her and like brush her fears away, uh, and 
She does, you know, she continues to not fit in. She, uh, one morning she's saran wrapping her leftovers. Then she saran wraps her own face. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was kind of a cool thing as well. Because it's like, it it comes out of nowhere. Um, This leads her to getting a visit from the company doctor. Played Uh, by... uh, Jonah from Veep. Jonah? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Tim Simons, also the raccoon from Housebroken. Oh, great. On, uh, on Hulu right now, coming back to Fox this later this year yeah. at some point. Love to see him in things. Uh, again, a lot of great actors in this yeah. movie that yeah. maybe needed a better script, but... Um, this is a doctor who who carries around a briefcase filled with classified documents. Uh, <laughs> that was, which again, again that was again, also ridiculous. If this is a simulation, <laughs> why is he carrying this <laughs> this document that basically says like like the Margaret problem or whatever? It was. Well, that's what it says. Well, especially because when she opens it up, it's all redacted, redacted anyway. <laughs> so it's like so it's doubly stupid for him to carry this around. So yeah, I mean he. And and this interaction is just like classic fifties uh, doctor bullshit, where it's like, oh, you're probably hysterical. Uh, your husband should give you these pills, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, smoke two cigarettes. Call me in the yeah. morning. Um, yeah, but then when he leaves, he forgets his briefcase with the classified documents, <laughs> which is again <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I mean, again, maybe it's Chris Pine testing, but at this point, like, why does he like have to test this hard? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's testing this much, why why do it in the first yeah. place? Like every, things are. Things are going great, uh, but I, what I really want is a, is an arch foe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's like the theories that Sherlock Holmes created Moriarty, you know, because yeah. he needed somebody to match wits with or whatever. And in the process, the doctor also makes some like vague threats about what will happen if she continues uh, believing in her visions, that it could lead yeah. to Jack losing his job and they'll get kicked off the project, which uh, Kate Berlant, uh, Berlant's character earlier was like, if my husband loses his job, I'd kill myself. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is too much, guys. Um, but coming out of Kate Berlant, I'm like, are you, do you really mean it or is that a joke? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. It's so hard to tell with her. That's her whole her whole shtick. So she, uh, Alice, has stolen Margaret's file out of the briefcase. Uh, she reads it. It's all redacted, so she just burns it. Uh, <laughs> she takes a bath, and then uh, I think this might be the bath where she's, like, looking at herself in the mirror, and then she slips into the water, but her reflection does not. And I'm like, uh. ah! This is not a bad bit, but I feel like uh, what's the Edgar last night in Soho did something like this better. Well, I think there's a, there's the thing. There's a lot of bits in this movie that are not done badly that have been done better yeah. Yeah. in other places. It's a movie that feels cobbled together from bits and bobs from other similar. Like her going into the water also felt very get out when he when he's sinks oh, into, yeah, the, yeah. into the sunken place or whatever. And it's like there's a lot of. The movie wears its influences so incredibly heavily on itself without really adding too much. No, to I that, mean this. You know, this movie wants to be a feminist get out, which is a fine. Uh, uh, and don't take that out of context. Dan is not saying feminists get out. Yeah, Dan no, likes get feminists. In. Get in. Get in. We're going to we're going to see Megan girlies. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but but as you say, the problem is more that like it is a thing that has been done. I mean, like, Stepford Wives. Like, like there's, there's been similar things even that the fact, this does even the not fact add a lot to is the major. Yes, issue. even the fact that it's in, that it's in that kind of mid-century modern setting. And it's like, the movie, I think, thinks it is fooling us into believing it's taking place during that time or at least confusing us. Yes. And I'm like, 
What's cl- but from moment one, you kind of know it's not really taking place in the 50s or 60s. And I almost wish that everyone was dressed up in like Elizabethan costume I, or something like that. Actually, or Victorian, like mm-hmm. something a little out of the ordinary. I actually wanted to address this because like, I, it's not like a major problem I have with the movie at, by any means, but I do feel like the fact that it is set in this time period is like basically only thematic. Like the, the only reason for it is uh-huh. thematic. Like 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 these men want to go back to this time like, so we are going to literally set it in this time, which is fine. But then once you realize it and you start thinking about it, you're like, I mean, at least I was. Like, th- this could be at any time. It could be a mix-up of times. Like, you're telling me that not one of these guys wants what? to have a big flat-screen TV inside his, like, <laughs> mid-century modern simulation. Like that these Wait, that these young men who want to escape the world don't like video games? Yeah. That they don't want to play video games? Like right. So, yeah, and that they mean, don't. That they, they don't want to like Westworld the fuck up and have like a cowboy dude, or there's one dude who's like a really sick samurai. And, and also, I mean, and also, it, it introduces like this. Someone's like a ninja detective. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh man, that sounds like Gambit's arch enemy. And and because all of the women who, who in this world have been, you know, hypnotized, brainwashed, etc. Like. Again, not a big problem I have because I can take it metaphorically, but I, my brain does start working on the problem. And I'm like, well, why would you do something that's so far from their existing circumstances? Like, that seems like a harder brain-rossing job than just being like, oh, maybe these this girl didn't dump you and you still live in the same world, you know? Well, yeah, or, or I'm married to the same person, but now there's nothing she wants more than to hear me teach her about Steely Dan. Exactly. Like that, like that, it feels like that would be the thing they're really looking for. Oh, man. I put on my uh, turntable the other day and Audrey came out. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and and not, not what is this in the way you want where you get to teach her about no, it. Like, what is this like, in the way of like take ever? this shit off of you? <laughs> why would anyone ever? I'm like, I understand. Because I, don't, I don't quite understand. It's just a thing that happened to me when I turned 40. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Suddenly I get it. Suddenly I understand. They, they, uh, really what these guys want is the fa- they, it's this, I, and I guess it's taking that place a little bit because the women cook for them and clean for them and have sex with them. But it's like that if, 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 if the anal- analysis of Pornhub search engines have taught us anything, it's that most men seem to f- desire a woman figure who cooks and takes care of them who is also a daughter they can have sex with and teach. And it's not, I feel like that is the fantasy, not that I want to see necessarily, but that would be kind of digging a little harder and a little deeper and saying a little bit more than just kind of throwing up this admittedly beautiful 50s, 60s design yeah. and just kind of using that to set up a a more cliched idea of like, well, this is when men were in charge and blah, blah, blah. You know, like if they could get a little bit more – for a movie that is trying to be intensely kind of psychological, if they could get a little bit deeper and kind of harsher with it. I well, would yeah, be, if, but, if, if, it, the, if the cracks in the – in the simulation started to appear because it was trying to satisfy that like complicated uh, desire that these men have that is not yes. super linear and easily translated, but it is like a mishmash of things. And for the woman, it might not make sense. Yeah. Yes. And so that, that the really the only desire that, that the desire these guys have is entirely built around selfishness and about having all of their needs met all the time in a way that is both denigrates and also. Yeah. 
uh, oppresses and exploits the women in their lives, and the movie just kind of doesn't quite get there. I guess what I'm saying is, I is that I, I uh, the other night I started watching Crimes of the Future, mm-hmm. and I want a little bit more Cronenberg in this movie yeah. because yeah. <laughs> because I feel like he gets things <laughs> in a way that I want this movie to get. Yes, things. it's also funnier than this movie. <laughs> yes, that's true. It also this movie that funny. has multiple very funny comedians in it. This movie is Kate Berlant and Nick Kroll and Tim Simonson. These are all really funny performers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Olivia Wilde can be a really funny performer. Yeah. Like you know. She she I made mean, a funny comedy. Pugh is not known as a comedy person, but is hilarious whenever she plays uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Or yeah. Like, yeah. It's anyway. Mm-hmm. She could she could be a Black Widow or a Hawkeye, but she's kind of a mix between the two. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, kind of a Black Hawk, but that's a DC character. Yeah, you can't do that. Uh, no. For some reason, DC is protective of their IP, <laughs> as <laughs> we'll get into later in this episode. Um, so uh, <laughs> they go to a dance party in like a big dance club. This is a great big set piece. Everybody's in suits, uh, in tuxedos. Everybody's dancing to sing, sing, sing with a swing because it's like, yeah, throw some 40s swing music in uh-huh. here. Why not? Okay. Yep. And that's yeah, old and oldly for them. And as an old, <laughs> I mean, that's like even for the characters supposedly in the movie, this is an oldie. But I guess, again, it's like them dancing yeah, to, uh, like, you know, like what was the hit when we were kids? They're dancing to like, everyone's uh, dancing you know. like, like in cocktail, they're all dancing to like Louie Louie and shit. I mean, people at <laughs> weddings, you know, are still dancing to Jackson 5 tunes. It's not like that's, that's true. true. Yeah. That's true. Like the electric so slide an, or something. Yeah. As a little treat for Frank, they bring out a uh, burlesque performer, uh, Dita Von Tees, uh, whose character is also <laughs> is named Dita Von Tees. Mentioned her earlier, not just because she's constantly on his mind. Uh huh. Yeah, she's not constantly. <laughs> and the conversation we were having before the episode was should i feel ashamed that i immediately recognized Dita Von Tees? And i said no and she's they super don't famous. mention her by name she's not even on screen that long yeah. but i guess she's super fa- she's the only famous 50s style burlesque dancer who does who does a, a a strip routine involving a giant champagne glass mm. that i know yeah. of so or is it a martini glass what kind of glass is that Stuart, you're a bartender i think it's like a coupe yeah it's like a coupe uh that makes a it what? a coupe. A coupe. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's like the one a chicken that's like coupe? a little like it's more like a like a little uh parabola rather than the oh. Dan Dan, whose boob okay. is that supposed to be in the shape of? Oh, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it was supposed that, to be in like the shape of like Marie Antoinette's like boob a, or something. Urban legend that I've heard, but I don't remember what the <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Now, on the streets I've Dan never... heard this legend. <laughs> now, Ellie, you should know this. You should do you know a Nick and Nora glass? That seems like something you should know because of your love of uh, the thin man. It is, but I don't know glass. Now a Nick and Nora well. glass is like is kinda like it a has coupe. a dog in it. It's like uh-huh. it's even more sort of like it's not it doesn't go as wide. It's also and it's also have. large enough to for you to have enough drink to last for the entire infinite playlist. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a, so that uh, now up. I want to see now I want to see Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Alice is not enjoying this party. She uh, she's trying to get out of there. Uh, in the bathroom, she confesses to uh, Bunny, the Olivia Wilde's character. Uh, who doesn't believe her. She's like, I don't believe you. You can't yada, yada. Don't follow this, yada, yada. And Frank also, during this time- You're not going to make me a, make me a believer. It's not going to happen. And Alice Even is- Even if I saw her face, I will not be a believer. Alice <laughs> is trying to pull away. Alice is trying to get out of this. But then as she's doing that, Frank offers, in front of everyone, offers Jack a promotion, which involves giving him a ring. And Harry Styles is like, fuck, I missed all my rings. Uh, so he puts the <laughs> ring on and that gives him the magic powers <laughs> goes, of doing a dumb in, fucking in, dance. <laughs> I'll be in your movie, Olivia. 
I've got to have a ring on my finger in one of the scenes. A dumb All right. dance. He dances. I he love dances this forever. Dance. This is the. I did. To me, this is the best part of Harry Styles being in this movie is seeing him do this weird ass dance where, like, it's clear, like, it's clear that you know he knows how to dance. He is doing like you know tap moves. Is it? But yeah, if you look at his feet, you can like. But he has been directed to dance around like a herky jerky marionette man because he is literally being. The strings are being pulled by Jack, which and, is— And it's one of those things where Chris Pine keeps going, watch him dance, watch him dance, keep dancing. Watch. And I wanted to see shots of the people in the audience getting increasingly, like— Uncomfortable. Weirded yeah. out and uncomfortable, but everyone just seems to love it. They just love Chris spin. Pine shouting, look at him dance, look at him spin. And the dance never builds. Yeah. It never changes. It's just the same moves over and over again. But anyway— but it is meant to be unnerving, I assume, okay. right? So shortly after, uh, you know, a day or so later, uh, Jack and Alice are hosting uh, a dinner party at their home, and Frank is going to attend, and all the other guys who work there are super jealous. Uh, Frank shows up, there's like a good bit where- Even though there's like, there's like aside from when there are crowd scenes, there seems to be like seven guys yeah. in all of Victory, <laughs> but they're all like, I hope Frank notices me. And it's like, well, yeah. well you're already here. There's a, there's, <laughs> You've been at his house. There was a good bit where Frank shows up not wearing a tie, and one of the other guys who's wearing a tie is like, oh, fuck, and he takes his tie off so he can look just like Frank. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Frank, uh, during the dinner party, corners Alice, and he reveals that he knows about her concerns, uh, and he kind of flexes on like how he's in control, yada yada. And then then he ends it by calling a good calling her good girl, uh, which I'm like, calm down, buddy. I don't think your relationship's <laughs> there yet. Um, and then uh, Alex starts to uh, Alice. Alice at the at the dinner party, she sits at the head of the table. She starts to push uh, everyone to reveal their backstories, which are all eerily similar. Uh, like it's written by a very lazy writer, mm-hmm. um, and and also unnecessary since, as we learn, these are our are our actual real people. Yeah, and so they probably had real stories they could have yeah. just used, I guess. But um, and she tries to stand up to Frank, but everybody opposes her, and Frank uh, manages to get everybody to her side uh, to his side. Yeah. Jack is upset. Uh, Alice is pleading with Jack to support her, and he's like, he finally caves. He seems to agree. Uh, they're going to run away together. They get in the car, but as soon as they get in the car, guys in red jumpsuits grab her, and she pleads, and he's like, no, I'm, so- uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I do like the image of these, like, men in red jumpsuits just showing. Like, it's it's simultaneously sort of frightening and funny <laughs> to just have, like, these red jumpsuit guys I like run they, out of nowhere. Yeah, that they just and pop also, out all- from the sides of the frame, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and that they all just kind of look like lugs. Yeah. Like, they all just kind of look like big guys. Well, you, they don't look like— You don't even see not, their faces nothing, for a while. Yeah, but there's nothing—I mean, there's they're not—they didn't cast, like, huge, you know, massively muscular people or, like, yeah. sinister-looking people. They just—they look like—they do look like the kind—like, well, these like, are the guys—these are the, like the, these the old stevedores that they hire. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, yeah. it's the Adjustment Bureau. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, no, then they'd be wearing hats, I know, <laughs> I'm just fucking, I was trying to get you. Um, okay, yeah. so they drag her off and they give her shock treatment. Um, and this uh, gives her a vision of a different life. That's right. In this other mm. life, it's set in modern times, our which, times. Which, by the way. With modern problems. Here's another thing that I want to say about this is like. <laughs> and products. <laughs> again, I don't need to take this literally, but part of my issue is like. Well, at this point, if this is all in a simulation, we know that in our current world that we live in, 
we don't have this technology and like to to kidnap women and put them inside the simulation would be is bad. The flop house is not <laughs> we're cool. Not against, that. We're not. For we it. do not. We we are strongly against kidnapping women and forcing them into simulations no, what I, what I, or anything. What I'm gonna say is even just the kidnapping. Let's just say, even just the kidnapping is bad. We're against that. It doesn't matter what you do afterwards. This, it's all gonna be bad. Yeah. This would be a criminal conspiracy, a, a monstrous criminal conspiracy. So if we're living in a world where there's a simulation, these men could just have simulated girlfriends. Le- yes. legally. And I understand that the the whole point of this is that it's about control. It's about like sadism. It's about that these men are like, they don't just want a fake girlfriend. They want to be They don't to just want some kind of waifu. Real women. So thematically, I get that. But knowing that we exist in the world that we exist in and that, 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 that these scenes are taking place now, why not put them in like some sort of dystopian <laughs> future? part of me wonders because it's like I'm going to get the theme either way. I, I guess I guess the idea is like we we, we want to talk about now. But I think that's the thing. I was, I'm going to push back on you a little bit, Dan, yeah. just because I think if you put in a dystopian future, it does allow the male viewer an out, an out to be like, well, I'm glad I don't live in that world. I would never do that. And I'm glad we don't have a, if, the island in my world. <laughs> exactly. And the same way that if it was set in the 50s and 60s, it would give an out to modern yeah. viewers too because they'd be like, well, I'm glad we don't live then. I wouldn't have done that. No, that's and true. So, so I, I get why they're doing that, but I, but at the same time, the whole thing, you know, if it was, was a, it's hard for me to get past just the kind of we've seen this stuff before and I think that's that's at the root of, of so much of this. I will say- it's like, it's not shocking what we're seeing because it's like, yeah, I thought it was something like this. I've seen movies. I know. will say that once we do see the uh, the details of the criminal conspiracy, I like how shabby it all is. Yeah. Like that is the part that feels real <clears throat> to me. There's like this underground like thing of people on message boards <laughs> online and they have like this like tech that is basically just like you stick some shit in your eye. You I, know? I honestly and, would have and, liked and to Harry, have seen and Harry Styles is And Harry Styles is made up to be particularly yeah. kind yeah. of like ratty on a piece. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get into this. So in okay. this, uh, this is the twist. We see what is, turns out to be the real world where uh, Alice is- Where people are not polite. No. Mm. They are real. Thank you. Well, they're yeah. starting to get real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. But they stopped being polite, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So Alice is in the, is an overworked doctor in what, like an emergency room? Um, yeah. And she, she comes home to her apartment where uh, Harry Styles is her husband, and he is like bearded and looks like shit staring at a computer all day. A lot like our <laughs> producer Alex Smith, by the <laughs> way. Whoa. Whoa. Well, that's not a call that I was hoping to make. But she, she, point does, she does. Re- <laughs> Suddenly the, the, the episode starts sounding really bad. Particularly <laughs> when Stuart talks. The, just, every time he talks, just fart noises come out. Yeah. The, the uh, I will say that it is she. It, it's one of those things where you're like, "Girl, why are you with this man?" Because she's a doctor. You know, she is. She can do much better than living in kind of a a dank Gilliam esque I mean, hole do, with this weird. I do like honestly, it's not even amount. that bad of an apartment. Like, it's a New York apartment. Like, no, but it's just. But it's also like they seem to have no lights. Like the place is true. just. It's just an. They've they've done nothing to make it but look I, livable. I do. So now I'm so now I'm criticizing <laughs> their interior design. I do like that. There's a certain realism to the idea that like it seems like this was a good relationship, maybe or at least surface level good, back when he, when he had, a, had job. a job and was feeling better about himself and like the loss of control 
of that has led him to be a monster in his personal like trying to exert control over mm-hmm. that. Like I like that. Honestly, I had learned what the twist was to this movie before I saw it. Like I had not, I had not resisted. I'm shaking learning. my head. Yeah, in thank you. Thanks for McCoy. sharing that. But. I guess we well, can't I mean, do a reaction video. I'm being honest with <laughs> Thanks you. Thanks for being vulnerable, Dan. Being, Thanks for allowing yeah, yourself I'm, to be vulnerable. Being honest, <laughs> I just want to say, I mean, like, perhaps it's perhaps it's not a uh, an amazing thing to say that reading the twist <laughs> made it sound dumber than seeing the twist. Perhaps that's not a, an astounding reaction. Like, obviously, if you see a movie that has music and and style and whatever, it's going to come off better. And a, Harry style. But, <laughs> and but and like as, a as narrative we, and uh, a story that leads you. Like, well, as I've, as I've said many, as I've said before on the podcast, ultimately Star Wars is about a boy yeah. from a farm who an old man takes him to a bar and they meet a bear man and a space pirate and they blow up a, and they blow up a space moon. Like you can, anything sounds well, dumb exactly. to describe and I do think that it's possible that, you know, some people who've learned about the twist, you know, are like, oh, that sounds stupid. And like, yeah, on a certain level, I'm not saying it's not, stupid in the sense that we've seen it before, but I will give the movie credit for executing most of this stuff a lot better than I imagined in my brain. <laughs> and there and there are a couple details that are like, <laughs> the, the fact that it was like, that they're like, you know, to, that they're saying to, uh, to Jack, like, you know, you're responsible for the upkeep of your machine and the upkeep of your chosen wife. Mm-hmm. Like that they that it is a real ramshackle, like it's like a kit that you can apply for and yeah, get. Yeah. And that Frank, it, who we've... Uh, who we've is presented in that world as like you know this golden god type in real life is kind of yeah, like, like a one dark of those web like one of those uh, Andrew Tate's that you like so much right Dan <laughs> <laughs> what do you think one of those uh, masculinity gurus that you like so much right yeah, Dan just, yeah that Dan listens to so much if there's one Dan, thing <laughs> it should be obvious about me is how obsessed with masculinity I am <laughs> well you listen to it a lot so you know what to run away from and go in the yeah. opposite uh, direction you're like yeah I'm just gonna eat liver all day. <laughs> <laughs> Got the, all that iron. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. In this case, uh, Jack in this future looks like shit. And he's an asshole. He like doesn't do anything around the house. He looks. He watches the computer all day. He's like he and he blames her for the fact that he didn't do these things, which yeah. is again this mm-hmm. whole like control issue. Um, he's and, he's, and, and and refu- he's like yeah, refusing to take control of his and life. He's like and radicalized. Like- he's as we said, he's been like radicalized by this Frank character on the internet. Um, uh, but then after we, uh, after this realization, we're, we're back in the, uh, we're back in the real, or we're back in the simulation. She's been, mm-hmm. uh, she's come home from treatment. She seems to be all better. She reunites with all her friends. Everything seems like it's going smoothly. Um, if this was a 1970s version of this movie, this is where it would end. Yeah. It would end with her back brainwashed in the simulation and the credits would roll and the audience would be supposed to stagger out devastated mm. that that evil mm-hmm. one yeah. in this in this case. Yeah. He comes from home from work and she's making dinner and everything's going really smoothly until he starts singing a song and it seems to break the spell. I guess it's a song that he This is the tune that she also has been trying to remember throughout the entire movie. Okay. Where have I heard this? Yeah. And it's the song that he sings at home in the real world. Uh where people have stopped being polite and started to being her real, which means singing this song. Living corpse to her- simulation body. <laughs> like the body yeah. that's trapped in the <laughs> And this is the real the real world body that it just has those weird eye things on. Yeah, it. so in the, and, that's, and, and that that's the whole machine. And this and this song breaks the spell for both her and us. Wait a second, I just realized the title of this movie should be 
the title of this movie should be Florence and the Machine. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh shut it down. No. You got to go back. <laughs> it's your uh, kids, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in addition to breaking the spell for Alice, it breaks the spell for the viewer, and we get the whole kind of conspiracy laid out in this case. Yeah. Jack has gotten involved uh, with this uh, online cult. He's required to keep Alice stuck in the simulation, which involves her being strapped to a bed with these uh, these like things keeping her eyes pried open, Ludovico treatment style, and shooting lasers yeah. into her eyes. Um, and uh, he is allowed a certain amount of time every day to also be in the simulation, but the rest of the time he has to focus on like dripping water and I'm guessing broth into her <laughs> mouth and- yeah, uh, And cleaning up the well, poops. Cleaning up to, the poops. Like he's working to pay Jack or like he's maybe, he might even yeah. be working for Jack in some capacity. That's not even really- Jack, clear. you're talking about Frank. Frank. Jack Frank. has to work for Frank. Frank. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, Jack has, he has to work to support their lifestyle. It's 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 like the, the, the capitalist- uh, compromise that we all make mm -hmm. has been laid bare in the most uh, drastic and dramatic fashion. Yeah. And, and Jack admits to all this in the simulation. He's like wrestling with her down on the ground. She picks up a well, old fashioned glass and cracks him in the dome with it. Yeah. Well, I just, do, I do want to say like, this is the, like what we're talking about, the idealized simulation versus the shabby real life is the argument that Jack makes to her or Jack. He's Jack, like, yeah. Jack, yeah. He's like, hey, look, you know, you hate that life. I'm out in that life. That life sucks. It's great in here. I did this for you. Like, you know, not admitting, sure, but you have eliminated her choice in any of yes, this. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. and, which is like, again, the movie is very specifically a, a control metaphor. Um, but that's, 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 I, that's also part of why I think the outside world looks so awful is that that's like his twisted argument. Yeah. Um, um, and so she cracks him in the dome with that glass, which actually kills him. And immediately, uh, Bunny shows up and is like, yo, if you kill this dude in here, he's dead in the real world. Uh, <laughs> which is always one of my, one of my, that happens so often in, in movies. And it's always like, I know why you're doing that for the stakes, but it's hard for me to imagine like when they're like, if you die in a dream, you die in real life. And it's like, no, you don't like that. That's not like video games don't work like that. Like yeah. if it, if that, you think that would be the first bug that they would work out of the simulation yeah. because with all the drinking and driving they're doing, you gotta yes. believe there's hella casualties in this yeah, world. I, I like, again, having like, had it spoiled for me. I assumed at the beginning, like, oh, you know, they're doing these donuts because he knows they can't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah, it's it. That's such a. It's a very strange bug to not fix that. Uh, fixing yeah. it because it causes a lot of problems later. And it also, you would think that they would be like, like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and but do you think? I mean, do you think that was put into the script so that? The audience is like, yeah, some of these jerks die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I don't think, and to to make it real danger for her, like, if the danger, if there's no danger, then that. But also, I, I'm sure the they they've primed the audience to want to see these guys, yeah. get killed. I mean, I think as you know, it's at 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 bottom that mechanic of it is no is no more noble than like I spit on your grave, you know, in a certain sense. So I think it, if anything, it's deflating to the stakes because like, it, it, I think it would be better if it. <laughs> oh, I, I remember when I invested in commons deflated stakes, <laughs> you're supposed to be able to stack more of them because they took the air out of the stake. Sometimes oh, I feel, common. sometimes <laughs> I feel like dry age stakes are a little deflated because they don't have as much juice. Can't say anything. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I Dan, can't. you're saying deflated stakes. No, because <laughs> I think it would make sense 
it would be more tense if what happened is you, it would be make sense. It'd be more tense. Dan, keep spitting those rhymes. I love it. <laughs> you die. Fire. Spitting fire. Stop you're, making sense. You're kicked out of the system. Like there has to be like a reboot or whatever. But like the idea that he is out there still and she has to deal with him. He might come oh, back yeah. into the simulation. Like Or that he can or that he could kill her body while she's stuck in the simulation. Yeah. Like that's a scary idea. Yeah. Anyway. But the movie's also <clears throat> heading towards the climax. That's not the story yeah. this movie is telling. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Bunny is urging Alice to escape. She's like, actually, I volunteered for this. And you realize it's because that in the real world, her her children died. And this is the only way she can uh, kind of relive her time with her kids, uh, which is very sad. Um, Alice runs away, jumps in a car, runs over Nick Kroll. Uh, there's a big uh, <laughs> chase across the desert. Um, this is, again, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like the highway chase in Matrix Reloaded was kind of an inspiration here. I feel like there should have been a point where Alice jumped on top of the car with a katana. She does not. Uh, <laughs> no, she doesn't. Well, it's, it's also one of those things where if this is a simulation, if it's not real, why do they have to like catch up to her in a car to catch her? And But at this other time, there's a part, you know, she she does some some smooth driving and it means that two cars slam into each other and Tim Simon's car flips over and explodes. And I was like, you know what? If I was a director and I got to do that in a yes. movie, yeah, I don't care if it makes sense for the mechanics of this virtual reality twist. Like, I want to I wanna shoot something where cars are smashing into each other and flipping over and exploding. Yeah. So Olivia Wilde, you do you. I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Frank you want a little bit of Fury <clears throat> Road in your movie? Go yeah. for it. Yeah, Fury Road Jr. Uh, so Frank gets a phone call explaining the situation. He's very angry. Uh, and as he turns around to explain it to his wife, he walks right into the kitchen knife she's holding. She kills him, stabs him in the chest. Um, and I I didn't quite understand. She says something to him like, now it's my time to run things. like Something like that, yeah. So like, was she aware? Like, I don't, I don't quite... Quite good. I guess yeah. she's aware, but I don't know why she waited till this moment yeah. to do that. It's, uh, it's mysterious. It's a. It feels like a twist for the sake of twist, and a and a death for Frank for the sake of a death also, for Frank, and the kind of thing where if this was a TV show, this is the end of like the first season, and then the second season would be dealing with the new status quo. But it's not yeah. a TV show; it's a movie. And what does she mean it's, by wait, running it's things? Not a TV show. <laughs> are the, are the, like, I mean, you watched it on a TV. I watched it still. on a TV, and it was on HBO Max, which I guess <laughs> isn't TV. But that's not TV. That's right. HBO Max. Although it's getting more and more TV and less and less HBO as time goes on yeah. and oh, yeah. Discover takes <laughs> more over. And more yeah. bad tech TV. <laughs> <laughs> It's the H, I didn't realize the H in HBO stood for HGTV. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Uh, but Dan, so you had a question about taking control? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I guess You thought we're it was time for the Ghostbusters to take, take control? control. <laughs> if it's up to us. Uh, anyway. Um, no, I just wonder, like, this. <laughs> she's just going to be like, and now a utopia for the wives in this simulation. Of course, no one's outside feeding broth to us, but uh, <laughs> I mean, like, what does that mean? I don't know. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but. I, it's not clear. Or maybe she's, maybe she's just power mad because she liked running that ballet class, yeah. you know, with, as a little Okay, dictator, so we're, we're right at the end. Uh, Alice manages to get her car stuck while driving up a hill. She jumps out. She runs up there. She's got dudes chasing her. She has a moment where Jack is there and he's like, hey, stay with me. Just a vision, not actually there. Uh, and then she touches the window and escapes and we get what, like a like a black screen and we hear the sound of her waking up and that is it. Don't worry, darling. We did it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> that is uh, the movie. 
It's one of the few times where I kind of wished the title was said in the movie because otherwise it feels relatively generic mm-hmm. compared to, you know, for this. Uh, there's there's a lot of, and that image of all those guys chasing her up the hill, like that's a great image. Yeah. A, it's, it's a great looking movie. There's a lot of really good images in it. There's a lot of talented people working on this movie. How do we feel about it though? It's time for... Final judgment. Final judgment. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie we kind of like? I'm going to jump right in and I'm going to say... Honestly, out of these categories, I kind of liked it. I don't think it's anywhere near like the disaster it was sort of made out to be. Uh-huh. And I am certainly looking forward to seeing Olivia Wilde's next movie. I hope that this doesn't, you know, tar her with a bad brush because I do think she's a talented director and actor. Um, this movie, the biggest problem, as we've said before, seen it before, <laughs> like it wasn't a big shocker what was happening, but it looks pretty and Florence Pugh is in it, which is always a plus. So I, I give it a kind of like with an emphasis on the, on the kind of, uh, I do think I want to say just cause there's no other place. The movie that I imagined when I saw the trailer <laughs> was more interesting to me. Cause I was like, okay, there's going to be a twist. What is it? And I came up with this idea of like, they're out there in the desert. They're working on this project. It's some sort of like time alteration project. And the idea would be oh. that whenever something went wrong in their relationship, he would just like shift the time back to before he did whatever it was that fucked it up, which then over time, you know, created like sort of rifts in her mind, rifts in the world. I thought that kind of would have been interesting, more interesting, at least something different like, than what we've seen. Dan, write that movie. That's a good idea. Why aren't you writing that? Uh, I don't know. I gave it away for free on a dumb podcast. <laughs> Maybe I can write it. I'm um, like, has, have I heard that before in like a Black Mirror episode or something? Be. There's something similar. Yeah. Well, anyway, this does feel like a black, like the, the ideal length for this is like 40 minutes <laughs> is the main problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a, like a, well, it's a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. But anyway, what, that's, what do that's, you have to say? that's a, I think you're right that that's the, one of the big issues is that like, I mean, the big issue for me in the movie is that it's just, you've seen it before. Yeah. Like this movie, it's it's just a not an original movie and there's a lot of neat, there are a bunch of neat moments in it. There's some neat visuals in it, but like the a lot of the movie is trying to fool an audience that, from the moment one knows that something is up, but not like something's up. I got to find out what it is. But like, oh, something's up. This is going to be a simulation or they're brainwashed or they're robots mm-hmm. or they're clones or whatever. And the the details kind of don't hold together to the point where I do wish, like I was saying, that it was more of a allegorical, no explanations, just kind of movie. Just it was the, the kind of movie that uh, you, I feel like if it, if it was made in another country, there may be less explanation, you know, because foreign movies can get away with that a little bit more sometimes. But ultimately it was like, it's not like, it's just kind of like a boring movie, mm-hmm. you know? It's just kind of a movie that doesn't, that for every now and then there's an image that's really neat or a moment that is neat, but you're kind of waiting for them to get get on with the business, you know? And the world that they're presenting is not so incredibly exciting and intriguing. I got to, I don't want to bring up, Babylon because Dan I don't want to I don't want to open this this wound between oh, us not but I feel again. like but part of the opening of Babylon is that you're supposed to be like look at this amazing wild time like can you believe it like this is this is both appealing and upsetting at the same time whereas when I watched it I was like 
I can think of nothing worse than to be yeah, in that room with those people. That's specifically you. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's also that's based on your personal interests. <laughs> I guess so. Like, like, but the, the, I, the, I don't want to be in the room don't with invite people Elliot, vomiting on each yeah, other. Don't all invite the time. Elliot to your Bacchanal, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. If it's loud and there's a lot Dan of people I don't know slipping out, in their own orgy, fluids. Pulls out orgy invitation, rips up. <laughs> yeah. well, we're, we're similar with this. It's like, I think it's it's coming from a the idea universally that this is an appealing life, but there's something wrong, and I think it didn't it didn't it didn't build it to a high enough level of attraction for me then to then feel horrified. Yeah, you know at what was being so done. You know. you're giving it a didn't actively dislike. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's like I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a see me after class try harder. You're not working up to your potential. Okay, basically. Yeah, I mean, following our categories, I would say this is a little bit closer to a bad bad for me. As we've addressed, there's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's made well in a lot of ways. I like the performers, yada, yada. But uh, yeah, I just, I didn't particularly enjoy the movie and I wish it was a little bit, I wish it was a, a long episode of television. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, if this was a short, it would be much more successful. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know what? You've probably heard about microdosing. <laughs> probably on this. Wow. Wow. Probably. Such an abrupt segue. I'm not even sure if we're still talking about the movie, but I podcast. guess we're talking about microdosing now. Well, Elliot, you should know. Because it feels like having having your eyes forced open, laser shot into it feels like a macro dose. I, that seems unhealthy. Well, I just want, I want a micro Here's the dose. thing. I just want you to know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. And our show today is sponsored by microdose gummies. Uh, I'm tripping over my words. Microdose gummies deliver. <laughs> micro tripping though. Perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Maybe you want to try gummies, but uh, you're not. It's not something that's been a part of your life. Maybe you don't want to like be uh, high. Let's say you just want mm -hmm. to feel a little better, more relaxed. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be those. like zooted out of your mind. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to be zooted, but only because I don't know what that means. It sounds appealing. <laughs> Um, you want to be like Zoot want, the Yeah, exactly. I, I, shades and a saxophone? How cool is that guy? Anyway, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code FLOP, F-L-O-P, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that is microdose.com, code FLOP. We're also sponsored by Babbel. From new travel experiences to new jobs or just picking up new skills, there's no better way to prepare for 2023 than by learning a new language with Babbel. Thanks to Babbel's fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can feel confident no matter where the new year takes you. I don't know about you guys, but uh, over the last year or so, I've gotten much more excited about traveling a little and uh, picking up at least some uh, phrases and words uh, is essential whenever traveling to another country. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to expanding my repertoire. I, it's not just German for me, guys. I can speak a lot of languages. Um, there are so many uh, ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes with Babbel. You only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson. So you can start having real-life conversations in a, in a new language in as little as three weeks. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve Trace your pronunciation weeks. and accent. Accent's important, guys. That's the thing. 
my accent's so good, people assume I'm fluent in languages sometimes. Uh, okay. <laughs> in languages. <laughs> English, Ma- Mainly, ma- <laughs> yeah. not English, but German. I, I have a very good Hochdeutsch accent. Uh, okay, so right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash flop. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash flop for up to 55% off of your subscription, Babbel language for life. I have to say, I've been using Babbel since they gave us a code to use it, and I really enjoy it, and I feel like I'm picking up new words and languages all the time. What are you learning? What are you uh, learning? Yeah, which one? I, f- I decided that I should brush up on my Spanish. It's the It would be the most useful yeah. for me. I live in Southern California, and I, and I want to travel in Mexico more widely, uh, and I want to go back to Spain someday. I haven't been there since I was a teenager. And so, and I just feel like... Uh, I feel more confident that I'll be able to at least get to the point in the conversation where I can politely ask them if they speak English uh-huh. without without sounding like I'm just butting in like a bull in a china shop yeah. uh, or a toro in a china shop, <laughs> you might say. Oh, I might say that. I should brush up. I, Aud- Audrey's mom took us to dim sum for lunch the other day. We were in the car and she uh-huh. had a lot of French songs going on. And Audrey kept being like, what, what are they saying? And I'm like – you know what? I, t- I took five years of French. I'm getting every fourth word. If you want to know what every fourth word means, then I'm your man. But uh-huh. otherwise, I don't know if I can help. And but it's, if I want to maintain my status as ultimate otaku, I should probably learn some more Japanese. <laughs> you probably should. Well, it's a they, they, they've got a good selection of languages there, and it's very easy to use and very easy to learn on. But hey, we've got some other stuff to mention. Hey, did you know that my comic book, Maniac of New York, don't call it a comeback, number one is on comic book store shelves now. Really? Did I know that? Out already. <laughs> did you know that? I, I did know that because <laughs> I monitor your Twitter, but others probably don't. They maybe not. This is the third volume of the Maniac of New York series. I write it. Andrea Muti does the art, and it's from Aftershock Comics. And the first issue of an arc that I'm really happy with. I'm excited to see what Andrea does with all the art, and I think you're going to like it too. We are cranking up the satire and also the blood with this one. So uh, get used to it. Maniac Harry okay. is back, or is he? <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Deal yes, with I it. have to. Uh, I was told to. And we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully the book will be able to hold to a relatively monthly schedule, but those issues will come out. It's a four-issue series. Oh, great. But hey, enough of that. Let's talk about Flophouse new stuff. That's right. Woo. The Flophouse is doing a live show in person, in your face, if you go to Brooklyn, Brooklyn to yeah. the Bell House. <laughs> Our old stomping grounds, the Bell House in Brooklyn, our favorite venue, Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. It's a Sunday, but it's not too late. You can still go to work still the next day. Still a fun day. And yeah, what are you worried you're going to miss the Fox animation lineup? DVR it, dude. Uh, you know, you wow. can you can watch it later. Oh, uh, Last of Us. You can just tape that shit, dude. Just play the yeah, video game. It's the same. <laughs> it's streaming now. Cut the cord, man. <laughs> you watch it when you want to. Anyway, we're going to be doing a live show, which means all new material. We're talking about Battlefield Earth, mm-hmm. the classic bad movie, uh, the movie that really put a damper on John Travolta's career and, to a lesser extent, uh, the other stars, which was what? Uh, 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 what's his Whitaker and Fatchinelli and, uh, in it. What? Fatch. The Fatch? Is he in it? I don't know. Uh, Barry, what's his name? From uh, Saving Private Ryan. Whoa. Yeah, Barry Pepper. Thank the you. Movie, the, movie that, the movie that would have turned Barry Pepper into an even bigger star, but instead uh, put him back into supporting actor uh, categories. Uh, doing ads and for so- Chili's, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> I, and so, you know what? Yes, I think I was mistaking uh, Barry Pepper for Fetch Nelly. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 
that's fine. That's fine. Well, we'll we'll do our research beforehand. But that's Sunday, April second, seven thirty p.m. at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Battlefield Earth is the movie we're talking about. You're also going to get original PowerPoint presentations from us. We're going to be there in person doing jokes. We're going to have an audience Q&A afterwards. All the classic stuff you come to expect from a Flophouse live show. Come see us. We haven't done a live show in a while. We're very excited about it. Go to www.thebellhouseny.com for tickets, which are available now. Buy them up. (laughs) These shows sell out, so buy them up. They do sell out. I want to say also, uh, just because people have been writing or tweeting, asking... Uh, we will be uh, touring more widely uh, if you can't make it to Brooklyn, uh, but we don't know where yet. So if you're nearby, uh, come out and see this show. And uh, I think we're intending to do a virtual show We're shortly. also going to do more virtual shows. That's another question that has been asked. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Josh, if you're listening, our, our booking agent, come on. This seems like the perfect goddamn. medium for this. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, to be honest, this this will sound this will sound thirsty. But hey, do you have a theater? Would you like to book the Flop House? Yeah, get in touch with us via Twitter or over email, yeah. and let us know uh, where you are and when we might be able to do a show there. Let's see if you're in a city where you Let's have a an, enough of an audience for our podcast that they'll come buy tickets. Then we will do that show. Get in touch with us. Dear Reading Glasses, it's been years since I've been able to read. I missed it so much, but I had no idea where to start. I felt so overwhelmed. But thanks to your show, now I'm back to enjoying books again and feeling like a reader. Love, Sarah. Yeah, that's an email we actually answered. Okay, maybe not that email specifically, but one just like it, because most of our listeners are named Sarah. (laughs) We're Reading Glasses, and we're here to solve all your reader problems. We give advice, help you find books you love, and discuss reading without making you feel pressured. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every week on Maximum Fun. What happens when you give a bug recreational drugs? What was the first recorded sound? How do we figure out how old the Earth is? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say f***. <laughs> Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. This is where we uh, do letters. Letters from listeners. We do them. We do We're going to do We're these letters. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was fuck saying, them? Dan. Not at all. I was trying to say fucking doing these letters. and then That was too aggressive, too hostile. Real, real quick, guys. If you had to fuck a letter, it's got to be Q, right? Because Q's thick. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't yes. a little mysterious. Um. It's, very, it's very mysterious. Yeah, you don't see it that often. I just love my red flags. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, I'm sorry for that. Uh, Will, <laughs> Willie writes, Willie, last name withheld. Nelson? Willie Loman, the titular salesman. <laughs> sorry to hear about your death. I'm writing you today with important information regarding your Firestarter episode. Firestarter, mm-hmm. published, published in 1980, is Stephen King's 36th longest novel. With 426 pages. <laughs> we are now into baseball stat territory. <laughs> that is, 30, this is for your brother, I guess. 
<laughs> the fact that he has written enough books that this is his 36th longest novel at 426 pages. This is a mere 86 pages short of Stephen King's 26th longest novel, The Dark Tower 3, The Wastelands, in which the quartet of Roland, Susanna, Jake, and Eddie <laughs> board an insane monorail named Blaine the Mono. Many things happen during their monorail life, oh, but fuck. ultimately they end up in Topeka, Kansas. Anyway. I feel like, I just want to say, I've never read the Dark Tower books, and every now and then I consider doing it, but every time I hear a detail of it, I'm like, I just want to keep hearing random details for the rest of my life and never knowing how they connect. Uh, that's kind of how it feels. Yes. Uh, anyway, what are your favorite trains in movies? Subways don't count because I don't want Elliot to recommend the remake of The Taking of Pelham 123, which everyone knows is his favorite movie. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I'm offended and insulted. <laughs> Keep on squatting in the free world looking at you, Stu. <laughs> Willie Last Name Withheld. Favorite trains in movies. For favorite trains. <laughs> Gotta throw one up there for Snowpiercer because it's got my girl Tilda mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to say uh, uh, there's been a lot of uh, fights on top of trains throughout <laughs> okay. film history. Mm, sure. Uh, and that's why you're talking about the 7% solution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. if you're, if you're going to have a fight, put it on top of a train, dude, yeah. or on top of a bridge above a pit so you can uppercut a dude <laughs> off that fucking bridge and they fall on the spikes. I'm going to say one of, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite fights on top of a train is in the First Mission Impossible movie, uh, they got a lot even better with the wild stunts, but uh, that's mm-hmm. a pretty great uh, fight on top of a very fast train. Uh-huh. Uh, Elliot, what do you got? I think let's not let's not turn against fights inside of trains sure. because there's the classic train fight scene in On Her Majesty's Secret. No, sorry, it's from Russia with Love. Yeah. I'm sorry, in From Russia with Love, uh, but. Also, I was going to say Snowpiercer. I'm glad Stuart mentioned it. Uh, but you know what you can also have on trains is romance. Mm. And so I'm going to say the train where Janet Lee hits on Frank Sinatra in The Manchurian Candidate, where oh. she just unleashes the string of the strangest non sequiturs any conversation has ever had. And it's just – it's such a it's such a wonderful scene. Uh, and it can only happen on a train because they have to be on a transit system together and then yeah. be able to go from a public part of it to a private part of it. You can't do that as easily on a plane. What, are they going to be in the bathroom together? As long as we're talking so. train romance, we got to talk North by Northwest as well. Great stuff. Sure. And as long as we're talking so about se- cool trains, I got to talk about that train sequence in the uh, in what season four of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, <laughs> where uh, yeah, that part's, not a movie, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> it depends if you watch it fast enough. If you put on super fast and it ends in an hour and a half, that's a movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, and also, of course, my uh, as listeners know, my fifth favorite movie used to I used to have it at number four, but I'm downgrading it slightly. Uh, my fifth favorite movie, Closely Watched Trains. Has a ton of trains in it. That's There's weird. There's plenty of trains. Yeah. You know, the longer I'm staring at the second letter I chose for this week, the more I can't remember whether we've done it already. Guys, so I was about to say the ooh. train and how to train your dragon, but I realized that's not about trains. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not about turning your dragon into a train. <laughs> considering that, uh, <laughs> considering that, Alex- and I'll tell you what train. I'll tell you what train I don't want to be on. That train to Busan. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> not a train I would like to be on. <laughs> I was going to say, considering that Elliot has a family engagement and I cannot confidently say we haven't already talked about this, I'm just going to move on to (laughs) our last segment. Okay. And I want everyone to to, uh, don't get too excited. It's not that someone in my family got engaged. Mm. It's that I have to take my son somewhere 
uh, on a on a schedule. Mm-hmm. And you're keeping it vague in case somebody develops a time machine <laughs> and goes back in time to find you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have to keep it vague for that reason. Uh, I, I don't want the listeners yet to suddenly run to where I am, to see s- that I'm not there because this was we recorded this a week yeah, ago. Yeah, to source yeah. code their way back. Yeah. So on a train, on a train. I think I think we've hit on something, which is that trains are the best conveyance to put a movie on. You're on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. You can move around a lot within there. A lot of different people use them. Like. There are thrillers on planes. There are thrillers, I assume, in cars. I guess there's like, you know, a collateral, I guess, is in a car. Uh, it is. Right. But <laughs> this, And there's thrillers on boats. But I got to tell you, for, for real thrills, got to be on a train. Mm-hmm. Make it trains, everybody. Make mine trains. Um, <laughs> yeah, make my trains. Yeah, I'm a member of the Merry Train Marching Society. The, the, the last thing that we do here is we recommend movies that might, might be a better use of your time uh, than our usual fare. Uh, my recommendation is I went to see a matinee of the film Matinee recently. Uh, The Nighthawk Prospect Park was showing Joe Dante's uh, love letter to uh, the (laughs) Atomic Panic (laughs) uh, films of the (laughs) 50s and 60s. Um, It's from 1993. Uh, it's It's just like, I mean, the brilliance of the movie is a lot of those old, cheesy uh, science fiction monster films were based on uh, nuclear anxieties. Mm-hmm. And Dante was like, what if I construct a film around one of those movies being shown, but also about around real world uh, panic around uh, the uh, Cuba Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, they're in Key West, right, you know, at the, the right next to Cuba. You can see it from Key West. I've done it myself. Um, and it's just a, a movie that's steeped in a lot of Joe Dante's signature love of the trash of his youth, uh, elevated through his own brilliance. Um, and it's got a great uh, John Goodman performance that combines a lot of warmth with uh, hucksterism. He's playing kind of a William Castle stand-in. Um, and it's a movie that sort of takes its time setting up this world. And then when it starts paying off and the second half, it really pays off like gangbusters. It's very funny and very sweet. Uh, so I uh, am recommending Matinee if you've never seen it. I'm going to recommend a Indian movie from 2019 called Kaithi, uh, spelled K-A-I-T-H-I, which in Tamil means prisoner, I believe. Uh, and this fucking movie, guys, this movie is like this if, fucking thing. if this is, it's like, <laughs> this guy, this guy, this movie is like a cross between assault on precinct 13 and con air. The setup is this elite uh, police squad makes the biggest drug bust in history, but in the process, the leader of the police team breaks his arm. Okay. They go to the head chief inspector's house where they are celebrating this bust after disposing of the drugs into a private secure location. Wow, somebody's honking. They love this movie. Um, now, the uh, the drug dealers find out that their stuff's been busted, so they get an inside man to drug all the cops, except for the broken arm guy who can't drink. So everybody gets knocked out on Rohypnol. Uh-oh, and the drug dealers are coming to kill all the cops, so he can't drive. He needs to get these guys safe, so he has to take a criminal who's been locked up in the back of one of the trucks to help him. But it turns out that criminal is an ex-con on his way to see a daughter he's never met before. And this guy is a super badass, but he can't do anything wrong because he wants to be able to see his daughter. 
Oh boy, it is a, uh, and this all happens before the credits drop. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, it's. I mean, that could, that doesn't mean anything. RRR, the credits drop 40 minutes into uh -huh, the movie. And I'm so like, the, the credits could be at the end and of the And in RRR, film. I'm like, uh, high fidelity, the credits don't show up till the very end. I'm like, so. RRR, drive my car, dropped them five minutes after you. <laughs> yeah. High octane thrill ride, drive my car. Uh, but yeah, Kaifi, if you're looking for like a great, uh, action movie, I 100% recommend it. It's super fun. All right. This, the movie I'm going to recommend is not a high octane action movie. Weird. Uh, it is What's a the octane? melodrama. Uh, the, <laughs> How much it is, octane it is, is a, there? <laughs> medium octane, <laughs> okay. I guess, because uh, there's still some kind of thrills in it. Okay. I'm going to recommend a movie called The Garden of Women. This is a Japanese movie from 1954, directed by Kaisuki Kinoshita. The Garden of Women is the story of an all-girls boarding school that is run by extremely strict regulations that lead to emotional turmoil and political uprising among the students. Very much an ensemble movie with several different plot threads, all painting a portrait of a post-war Japan in which the young struggle against the bars of a metaphorical prison of social standards built by the old. And I kept thinking it, well, I kept thinking it, I kept thinking while watching it, this would make a great TV show, but it's even better than a TV show because it's only two hours and 20 minutes long. So you don't have to sit through like a couple hours of them just setting up the characters. And hey, floppers, why not program a little double feature for yourself with this and my previous recommendation, Madchen in Uniform. That's right, a German movie about an oppressive girls' school and a Japanese movie about an oppressive girls' school. I call it the Axis Powers Girls' School <laughs> Double Feature. But if you've already watched Madchen in Uniform, which you should have because I recommended it and it's really good, then The Garden of Women is great on its own. So that's The Garden of Women. Wow. We did it. We did it. We did it in record time. We're uh -huh. going to get you there. We're going to get you out, Elliot. Bingo, oh bingo. I really appreciate it. Listeners, I appreciate that you don't get our usual two-plus hours of, of, yeah, of so jokes and japes. Apologies to you, or maybe you like it better this way. Either way. <laughs> I mean, from what my what the listeners have told me, they kind of, they seem to kind of prefer it this way, but uh, but who knows? <laughs> this has been the Flophouse. We are part of the Maximum Fun Network. Go over to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other great shows. Comedy and culture, that's what they say. It's got both. Uh, I don't know which your <laughs> Nailed it. taste is. Culture. We mixed them. We mixed them up. Yeah. We got uh, mm -hmm. peanut butter and your chocolate or whatever. And also, <laughs> thank you to Alex Smith. He goes by the name of Howell Dottie on Twitter, other socials while he's making music under that name. <laughs> he is our producer. <laughs> uh, he is our editor. He does great stuff for us. Sorry that Stuart zinged you earlier. Um, and that's all I got to say. He's got a, he's got a thick skin, yeah. thick skin crusted from sitting in front of a computer <laughs> screen. <in> <laughs> uh, we love you. Uh, thank you to you, the listener and for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin reminding you to go to thebellhouseny.com to get your tickets to our live show on Sunday, April 2nd. Bye. Bye. On this episode, we discuss Don't Worry, Darling. But honestly, I don't think the series gets good until Don't Worry, Darling Reloaded. <laughs> You're right. That was a good one. That is a good one. Okay. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.